Well, this month in February, we've been looking at the life of Solomon. It's been fun, right? Looking at the life of Solomon. And so if you're just joining us, the series that we've been preaching has been called Life Lessons from King Solomon or Life Lessons from Solomon. And so week one, we talked all about accepting your role. Okay, so we talked all about his background, how his mom and dad had an adulterous relationship, and uh, he wound up murdering his, uh, her husband and all this stuff, the background that led up to Solomon being born. And we talked about the fact that you don't have to have a good background for God to accept you into his kingdom. Amen. Somebody say, thank God. thank God. Because probably most of us in this room don't have the most beautiful background. And everybody said, amen. amen. Then last week, week two was ask God for wisdom. Where we learn, number one, that wisdom is the most valuable thing that you can receive. Number two, God gives you wisdom so that you can make a difference. And then number three, when he gives you wisdom and you make a difference, you give him glory instead of taking the glory to yourself. Man, that's good. That's good. So that's what we've been talking about, accepting your role, asking for wisdom. So today I'm going to close out this series, and I've really enjoyed it. But I'm going to be honest with you. You know how people talk about, like, saving the best for last? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you save the best for last. Why do you save the best for last? Here's, when you eat a dessert, you eat it at what part of the meal? Last. The end of the meal. How about when you retire, it comes at what part of your life? Sometimes I wish that it would go ahead and hurry up and get here. <laughs> But when you retire, it's coming at the end of your life. It's saving the best for last. Have you ever went to a concert? Anybody ever noticed that, like, you wait the entire concert to hear this one song that you really wanted to hear, and you literally have to wait for four and a half hours to hear the song played? Why? Because this is going to save it to the very, very end. Amen? So you save the best for last. So I'm going to make a confession. That is not the case with this, with this series. <laughs> and anybody that knows anything about the life of Solomon knows why that is not the case. Because watching Solomon's life is like watching one of those movies that you watch where you're going through the whole entire movie in like, you know, 97 minutes of the movie. You're like, man, this movie is awesome. This is so good. And then the very last five minutes of the movie, you watch the last five minutes and you go flip over the DVR. And you're like, what in the world? Why would they do that? They ruined the movie because of the last five minutes. Anybody ever watch one of those movies? So that is very similar to studying and looking at the life of Solomon. It sums up his life. And so let me say a prayer, ask the Lord to speak through me, and then I'm going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, you're so good. Amen. God, we thank you for each and everything you've been doing in our church and in the lives of our people. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. Use your word. We're going to dig into your word. Use your word to speak to us today. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Well, y'all, if you're just joining us, we've kind of done like an old school Bible study on Sunday morning. So I'm leading, I'm, I'm reading a lot of scripture. And uh, it's a little bit tough. So bear with me. Give some grace. And turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> Anybody excited to be here? Amen. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 8. It says, now King, I'm sorry, verse 1. 
Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Ugh. Always hurts to hear that one. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must, help me out, not marry them. Because they will turn your hearts to, go, to, other go, to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyways. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. Wow. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Verse 4. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God and his father, like his father David had been. Solomon worshiped, and it starts naming some of them. Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In the same way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, he refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Let's read 7 and 8. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he, il- he even built a pagan shrine for Chemos, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all of his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. <sighs> Wow. You read all of this about Solomon, then you get here and it's like, what? Are you kidding me? This guy? This is Solomon that we're talking about. This is not some evil king. This is Solomon. This is the guy that in week one, in week one, we see that God loved Solomon and he named him Jedediah, which means loved of the Lord. That's this guy. It's the same guy that in week two, he's so humble before God that he says, Lord, I'm like a child that's running around. I don't know my way. Please give me wisdom to be able to do what is right in your eyes with this people. This is the same guy. The same guy that did all of that is the guy that now is worshiping other gods than the real God. This mighty man of God, the wisest man that ever lived, the same dude who wrote Proverbs, turned to foreign women. And begin to worship them. It even says that he chose to worship those false gods like Molech. If you know anything about Molech, Molech was the god of the, that came from the Canaanites. And what Molech was most famous for was that people would offer their children, burning their children, sacrifice to this god, Molech. He set up a shrine, and altar for this god. I want to go, how in the world do you get there? How in the world do you go from being the wisest guy, the most humble guy, this guy over here, to being this guy right here? Listen, life lessons from Solomon. All the men, listen to me real quick. Write this down. Even the wisest man that ever lived on fire and serving God can be destroyed because of a relationship with a bad woman. And all the men, all the women said, all the mamas said, "Uh uh-huh. Same goes for the ladies, too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And the man with the daughter speaks up. There we go. (laughs) Listen, so how in the world does that take place? It's mind-blowing, is it not? You read this and you go, now he's he's worshiping Molech? Are you kidding me? And I believe the answer to this question, how does this happen, can be found in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 through 27. 
It's up on the screen. Let's read this together. <clears throat> Help me out. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead when them ladies are around. I mean, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You know the saddest thing about that verse? Who wrote that verse? Solomon wrote that verse. Guard your heart. And then he did not use the wisdom that it took for him to guard his own heart, which got us to where we are today. Listen, church, this is so important. When we don't guard our heart, it destroys everything about our lives. So the title to the message this morning is this, Guard Your Heart. I know that's good, wasn't it? I had to think long and hard about that one. Listen, here's what I want to do. I want to cover two consequences of an unguarded heart. So if you're taking notes, two consequences to an unguarded heart. Number one, an unguarded heart equals foolish decisions. Now, if we're being honest, I really wanted to say an unguarded heart equals stupid decisions. But I'm trying to be more proper in my speech. So I decided foolish decisions is probably, if you're taking notes, probably the better way to go. Okay, an unguarded heart equals foolish decisions. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. How many things? The human heart is most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Man. Listen, Clausen, when we don't guard our heart, it will absolutely wreck our lives. You know, that's why I hate the phrase, just follow your heart. I hate it. That's the stupidest, that is not wisdom. Don't follow your heart. Why not? The Bible don't tell us to follow our heart. The Bible tells us your heart is the most deceitful of how many things? Of all things. Don't follow that thing. Amen? Amen. You know what your heart will lead you to? Your heart's the one that tells you to, to, to stay home and eat junk food instead of going to the gym. Sometimes I follow my heart. <laughs> your heart was the one that tells you that when somebody whips over in front of you to just let one finger come up on your hand. Uh-huh. Your heart is the one that tells you to keep arguing you with your wife, even though you know if you just shut up, it'll stop. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't follow your heart. <laughs> Listen, y'all, I'm just trying to be a little bit funny, too, because this message is so, so hard. But think about this. Seriously, your heart is the one that tells you, hey, why don't you get on Facebook and message, you know, that old fling that you used to have back in the day. Just see how she's doing. That's your heart, y'all. That's your heart that's telling you that. Your heart is the one that tells you, why don't you pursue this, this woman that's at work? You know, she's married and you're married, so she ain't going to say nothing. You know, you ain't going to say nothing. So you can, you can have this hidden little relationship. It ain't really that bad. Your heart is the one that tells you that. Your heart's the one that says, let's go party. Let's get drunk. Let's get high. Let's try something maybe that we've never tried before. Your heart tells you, focus on what feels good and what makes you happy, at least for that moment. 
our heart is wicked and deceitful. To put it in modern day terms, you can write this down in your notes, your heart is whack. It is. It really is. When you look at the Word of God, that is what you see and that's what you understand. It's probably very easy for us to sit nowadays and look at this Bible and go, man, Solomon, you stupid. Really? You're going to worship Molech? You're going to set up for a chemos? You're going to do all of those things? It's easy for us to look at the Bible and say, I would never do that. Amen? Judge not lest you be judged. (laughs) But let me give you something to think about really quick. How many times do we bow down to this little thing and give it priority over God and his will for our lives? How many times do we worship the likes that we get on our pictures or our videos or the views that we have on social media or the approval of our peers? How many times do we... How often does football games and Netflix and the job and kids and kids sports and social media and addictions and pornography and all of these things come in between us and God? Because maybe it doesn't look exactly like what Solomon's look like. But here's what I know. I know it is so easy for us to allow things in our lives that begin to take our worship because we give that our time, our energy, our money. Instead of God. Does God get presidents in our lives or maybe are there some idols that we've formed that we have allowed to be more important in our relationship with him? Now, I'm not trying to beat up on you guys this morning, but I am trying to show you that our enemy is smart. He is slick and he knows what I struggle with and he knows what you struggle with. And so what he's going to do is he's going to try to form a little idol or a little God in your life that maybe you're not going to see as an idol or a God. And what happens is you begin to create and and form this idol in this God. And before you even realize it, you see that you are now worshiping and looking at that thing. Listen, I'm positive that Solomon did not just jump up one day and go, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm just going to stop worshiping the real God, the one that gave me wisdom and accepted me and gave me my own name. I'm going to stop worshiping that guy, and I'm going to start worshiping all these false gods. No, because that is not how it happens. It happens little by little. When we do not guard our heart and keep Christ first in our lives, it starts first with a little sin. It's a little bitty sin. And then what happens is we sin, maybe we felt a little bit bad for it, maybe we didn't, whatever, but we didn't confess it, we didn't turn away from it. And so that little sin moves to a little bit of a bigger sin. And then that bigger sin leads to a more bigger sin. But used to, we wouldn't have done this thing that is huge, but because we've already done these smaller things, it's kind of graduated us into the spot that we're in right now. And then what happens is we form this addiction. And I really want to go up to the altar. I want to let God break off this addiction, but nobody knows about it. And I'm kind of embarrassed that I have it. So I'm just, I'm not going to go up to the altar. I'm going to kind of hide it around. And then what happens is that addiction gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day, two years later, you wake up and used to, you were on fire for God. You were wanting to make a difference. You were getting baptized and giving your life wholly over over to him. And then you wake up and you go, what in the world happened? How does that happen? It happens because we do not guard our hearts. And when we do not guard our hearts, we make foolish decisions every time. All right, let's keep reading. 
First Kings chapter 11, I'm going to move to verse, we've read through 8. Let's start in verse 9. <clears throat> so all of this has happened. It says, the Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Now listen to this. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods. But Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command, so now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father, David, I will not do this while you're still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. Oof. And even so, I will not take the entire kingdom away. I'll let him be the king of one tribe for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. Wow. Consequence number two, when you don't guard your heart. Number two, an unguarded heart will damage us, our legacy, and those around us. You think that it just messes with you and just affects you? No, 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 no. It affects you, your legacy, and everyone around you. Now, I want you to think back to the promise real quickly, that God gave to Solomon. Let's read that. Let's go back to chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 11. This is the promise that God gave to him. God replied, Because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you do not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Now get to verse 14. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father did, I will give you long life. What does he promise him? He promises him long life, riches, fame, wisdom. He even promised that his descendants, as long as they stayed with following those decrees, would stay on that throne forever. But because Solomon did not guard his heart, he did not follow the decrees and commands of God. He moved out of the will of God and lost, he lost so many of his blessings. You know, you know what's so true? Satan can destroy us and those around us just by convincing you that your sin is not really that big of a deal. Eh, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I can just hide it. It's just affecting me, right? This said he's stripping Solomon of the kingdom. Not only is he stripping it from him, he's stripping it from his son. And his son ain't even done nothing. You think things don't affect your kids Oof. or the people that you're around or the family that you have? Now let's jump back to chapter 11. Chapter 11, I want to read verses 29 through 32. It says, one day Jeroboam, now Jeroboam was one of Solomon's servants. One day Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem. The prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him along the way. Ahijah was wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in the field, and Ahijah took a hold of his new cloak he was wearing, and he tore it into 12 pieces. And then he said to Jeroboam, <clears throat> take 10 of the pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon. 
and I will give ten of the tribes to you. I will leave one tribe for the sake of my people, for the sake of my servant David with Solomon, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen of all the tribes of Israel. Now keep reading with me. This is 37. And I will place you on the throne of Israel. He's talking to Solomon's servant, Jeroboam. I will place you on the throne of Israel, and you will rule over all that your heart desires. If you listen to what I tell you and follow my ways and do what I consider to be right, if you obey my decrees and commands as my servant David did, then I will always be with you, and I will always give you an enduring dynasty. What is he telling him? He's giving him the same promise that he gave David. The same promise. If you will follow what I ask you to do, then I will bless you. I will give you everything. Your, your children will stay on the, in the kingdom, in the dynasty. I will give Israel to you. And then verse 39. It says, because of Solomon's sin, I will punish the descendants of David, though not forever. Whew. Let me give you a brief little overview of what, of what happens next, okay? So Solomon dies. When Solomon dies, his son Rehoboam takes over the kingship. Jeroboam and the ten tribes come against him, and they start this civil war. So then you have a civil war all due to Solomon's sin. Ten of the tribes are stripped away from Rehoboam. And then you have this huge, they, they never come back together. You have this huge wars that go back, evil kings that take place over and over again. Why? Because none of them are following what God has asked them to do. And what happens is he strips it from this person because they don't follow what he's asked them to do. Then he strips it from this person because they don't follow what he's asked them to do. The kings that do what he asked them to do, he blesses them. If we would just learn from the smart ones and the dumb ones. But we don't. God is saying through this story, if you will follow me, if you will do what I've asked you to do, if you will live a life after me, I will bless you. Amen. But if you don't, just know what's coming. That is what came from Solomon's decision to not guard his heart. Solomon's decision to not guard his heart had ripple effects on himself, his family, and his dynasty, y'all. Now, I know in the day and age that we live in, everybody's like, follow your heart mentality, follow your heart, you can do this. We live in a culture that no longer looks down on sin, but it glorifies it. We live in a day and age where choosing God's plan for your life is just one of the options that you can choose. And if you want to choose a different option, everybody's cool with it. We live in a day and age where church is just a place you go if you don't have anything else going on during the weekend. But if other things are going on, that's going to take priority over church. Worshiping God and our daily devotions and our prayer time is something that we do if we have time. But if we don't have time, you know, there's Netflix to watch and there's news to see. And let's see what stupid thing Trump's throwing on Twitter or, you know, whatever it is that you want to look. You, you, you know, you got hundreds and hundreds of things that are trying to work on taking your time. So what are we going to choose? Man. So. 
If we as a generation of believers don't stand up and say enough is enough, I'm going to stand for what I believe, I'm going to guard my heart, I'm going to dedicate myself to the Lord, then here's what I want you to know. Our lives, our families, our nation, our church will fall just like it did with King Solomon. It's time for us to say I'm done with what feels good. I'm doing what God told me to do. I'm done chasing feelings and emotions and popularity. I'm chasing his will. I'm done canceling church and my time with God to make rooms for other plans. I'm going to cancel other plans to make room for God. I'm done pausing my Bible reading because I want to go watch Netflix. I'm going to pause Netflix so that I can read my Bible. I'm done not guarding my heart and putting the things in place that I need to put in my life to move forward in my relationship with God. Amen? Amen. As I get ready to close today, I want to give you a few ways, two ways that you can guard your heart and avoid the downfall that we see in Solomon's dynasty. Number one, sounds pretty cliche, but it's so good. Number one, Fill your heart with God's word. And all the Bible readers in the house said, <laughs> I didn't get much on that one. I expected just a couple of, I know, listen, every pastor in the world says, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. But here's the thing, y'all, what you put in is going to come out. And if you don't put in the word of God, then the word of God ain't going to come out. No matter how hard you want it to. Here's what Psalms 119.11 says. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. Listen, you want to guard your heart? Fill it with the word. You know what happens when you fill your heart with the word? The word comes out of your heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you're putting inside of your heart is coming out of your heart and coming out of your mouth. So if you put trash and you put gossip and you put bad music and you put things in your life that are not glorifying God inside your heart, then guess what's going to come out of your heart? Could somebody say, Pastor, get a little bolder, would you? Man, I, th I think I'm stepping, oof, Lord help me. Here's the thing, y'all, it's so true. Whatever we put in our life is going to come out of our life. That's what we're going to get. When we focus our efforts on becoming more like Christ and fellowshipping with people that are lifting us up and, and growing and maturing in their walk with Jesus, when we do those things, we see those things come out of our lives. And when we don't do those things, we don't see those things come out of our lives. So number two, fill your heart with what you want to become because that is what you will become. Number two, the second way to guard your heart, stop making your time with God optional. And I, I'm not necessarily talking about coming to church. I think coming to church is extremely important. Extremely important. But you know what's actually more important is your, your personal time with God. They're both important. But if you're not spending personal time growing and maturing 
with God, getting close to God, then if you're making it optional, then you're not guarding your heart. I'm not casting stones, y'all, but in our culture, we miss church because it's drizzling outside or because it's cold or because the game is on or we woke up tired. We miss our time to meet and fellowship with God and his people. Bible says iron sharpens iron. We miss that time to be sharpened so many times for the most petty things. Amen? How about this? We miss our daily devotions that we should be doing every day because of Netflix or maybe a different book that we're putting above the Bible that we're wanting to read or I was just too busy. You fill in the blank. We fail to spend time with God praying and seeking him because... Here's why. Because we make our time with him optional. And when we make our time with him optional, then we have an unguarded heart. Man, you guys are quiet today. Our quality time with God in his presence can no longer be an option. It has to be priority. Solomon said, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And if we look at his life, we understand exactly how right he was when he said it. Here's what I want us to do. I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask our worship team to step out and come to the front. And as they come, our altar ministers, our altar team, would you guys step out and come? Here's what I want us to do, y'all. I want our our time this morning to just be spent in the presence of God, seeking him and asking him to purify our heart. Here's what David said. Solomon's dad said, give me a pure heart. This morning, I'm asking you, you know things in your life, things in my life that I get tempted with that unguards my heart, things in your life that we need prayer for. So in just a minute, every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a minute, as our worship team begins to play this song, I want to give you a couple of different options. Option number one, there's a team up here that would love to pray for you. And so if you say, you know what, Pastor, I really want prayer this morning. I got things that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me throughout this message, and I would love to get prayer. Whether that's prayer for your heart or whether that's prayer for sin that you have going on or an addiction that you want broken or your family or your marriage. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want prayer, then in just a second, this team that's up here would love to pray for you and join with you. Secondly, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I just want some alone time with God. If you want to come up to an altar and lean down at an altar or the stairs, or if you want to turn right where you're at, sit on your chair or lean at your chair and spend just a few minutes with God. Or if you say, you know what, I just feel like I need to give him my all in worship. 
and you want to lift your hands and you want to sing this song and you want to love on the Lord, those are your three options. We're going to do one song together and then we're going to go and we're going to jump into this mad day. But would you make the most out of this opportunity and during this song, would you either find someone to pray with you and for you? Would you find a spot where you can love on God personally by yourself? Or would you just lift your hands and be able to worship and, and, worship and love on God? Let's sing this song together. If you want prayer, come on right now. And our team would love to pray for you.